Good Vibes Cinema presents Vibe Talking. Hey party people, welcome back to another exciting episode of Vibe Talking, a podcast about films with off-the-charts vibes, films from the golden age of adult cinema. Well, not tonight. Tonight, we are having a special birthday episode, mm. talking about Manny's favorite movie, mm-hmm. Orgasmo. That's right. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's dumb as hell, and I love it for that. I gotta just say real quick, I love that like both of our favorite movies, we did Boogie Nights for my birthday, we're doing Orgasmo now. It's like, why are both of our favorite movies like very on brand, like about porn, like something that we can talk about on the show? Like I know, it's almost like it set us up to do exactly what we're doing right now. It's almost like we love this shit or something. Like Who Are we knew? like really into it? What? Like, <laughs> Well, it's interesting, too, because I think there's a lot of parallels between this and Boogie Nights, which it wouldn't seem like it on the surface, but definitely they're there. Real quick, right off the bat, just want to say thanks very much for listening, and wherever you're listening to this, please help us out. Like, subscribe, rate, five-star review if you can, please. That's all he wants for his birthday. Come on. Yeah, it's my birthday, man. (laughs) Like, help us out. Hook us up. If not for me, for both of us, at least. Yeah, Uh, for the show. And then, of course, you can always, like, send birthday shout-outs to us, vibetalking at gmail.com. Um, we're also on Twitter. We're also on threads. Just search for Vibe Talking. No G at the end. And then TikTok, YouTube. It's going to be Good Vibe Cinema. Mm-hmm. Great stuff on there, so please check it Instagram, out. Instagram, we have both, Vibe Talking and Good Vibe Cinema. Lots Absolutely, good content. Yeah. And you want to follow both because Vic has some awesome stuff in the works, and... I actually happen to be a part of those. Yes, we're actually even filming this weekend or this weekend of the past when we <laughs> recorded this episode. By the time you're listening to this, we will have already filmed it. Yes. Frankie. It is a wild black and white Super 8 monster movie. Very sexy, very sad, very bizarre. And it's going to really be Really interesting awesome. concept. That's going to be really cool. And of course, there's other stuff on there. There's Big Feet from last year. Mm-hmm. Before that, there was coming soon oh very fun but like i said going to origins orgasmo was a movie that i watched because it is from trey parker of south park fame and it's something that he and matt stone made after their first movie cannibal the musical and right after they made the first season of south park and it might seem like okay this is supposed to be a show about films with off the charts vibes and Films from the golden age of adult cinema. Why are you guys talking about a raunchy, like, boner comedy from the 90s? Well, there's a very good reason for that, and it is a porn-adjacent film. Mm. This is a movie about a reluctant Mormon porn star who becomes a superhero. And Great concept. <laughs> if that doesn't scream, like, hilarious, like, slapdick comedy to you, then I don't know what to tell you. I've watched this movie many times. I could talk this movie straight up and down, but you literally just watched it for the first time ever. Like an hour ago. (laughs) Yeah. And I am interested to get your impressions on it. Okay, my first impression, I right away, like I knew I would enjoy it. You know, I do like South Park. I do like funny shit. So I was like, this concept is very fun. It was like a better like movie than I was anticipating. Like there was a lot going on in this movie. Like I just knew the premise, the tagline that you just gave, you know, and I was but like 
that's like the first half hour of the movie. And then like a lot of other stuff is going on. And like, I wasn't, I didn't know about any of that, you know? And so watching it, like I was like, Oh, like at all the like turns in the plot. I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Like, you know, it was great. We got twist and turns. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) Um, I loved the girlfriend. She was so funny and so good. Yeah. Chota boy is awesome. Yeah. Producers hot. Um, there's a lot going on. It was great. This has a great cast. It's It's got a far better cast than you would expect from a concept like this. It's really interesting because now, you know, it's 2023. South Park is still on the air. They're like in season 25 or something insane That's like wild. that. It is really crazy. Like, yeah. I'm just like, I'm proud of you guys. <laughs> And they've got like these great specials. You know, the South Park guys went on to, to make another movie after this. And then, of course, the great uh, Book of Mormon, the Broadway show. And seeing all that now, yeah, it makes sense that like actually Orgasmo is like a super underrated cult comedy. But at the time that it came out, nobody knew who these fucking guys were. Like they had to make a fake trailer in order to get financing for this. Wow. Yeah, they had to... Go to some uh, some outside sources, some foreign sources, in order to secure all their financing. And their budget wasn't that big; it was like one point three million. But despite that, like it's a great looking film. It's got a fantastic cast. It's got a lot of really great jokes. I was a little bit apprehensive when I started, you know, trying to sell you on like, hey. This is what I want to talk about. Why would you think I would be opposed to this? Well, Boogie Nights, that makes sense. And if I'm thinking in the future, if we end up like doing an episode talking about Taxi Driver, and I even think an episode talking about uh, The Big Lebowski, I think that could fit within, you know, the movies that we discuss. Orgasmo, it's like, other than the porn connection, it's like, is this really something that fits in with what we're talking about? And Like in terms of like genre? Is this a quote-unquote great film? Is that like what you're feeling? Well, more so just that there's frat boy humor. I think watching it, you could understand what like the the 18, 19-year-old version of me would be like, this movie fucking rules! I love this movie! When I rewatched it, I was just like, okay, you know what? Part of the reason why this movie holds up so well is because the thing that makes it funny isn't making jokes at like the expense of people that can't really fight back. They're not making fun of the disabled. They're not making a bunch of like racist humor. They're not making, you know, a lot of uh, homophobic, transphobic. There's no trans jokes at all. There's really not even any trans material. But it's the sort of thing to where, like when you go back and like rewatch like Fairly Brothers movies now, there's some stuff in there to where it's just like, yeah, you can't do this anymore. You can't make these movies just don't make any money at the box office anymore. And not that this did, but there's a very specific reason for that that we'll get into. The reason why the humor in this movie holds up is because what they're satirizing and what they're poking fun at is the original concept was making fun of softcore movies. Mm. And just kind of like the idea of like, what if we set a comedy that was on the set of softcore like Cinemax and Showtime movies, like those late night like stuff Mm -hmm. to where it's like, ooh, isn't this hot? But like, there's no like actual like hot sex. It's all, you know, performative. Even doing something to where the main character is Mormon, you would go like, oh, the South Park guys doing like a Mormon thing. Like they had to be like making fun of Mormons. And they're not. I know, like, they there's a lot don't. of love. Like, yeah. I was, to the point. I, I was actually really thinking that because, like, 
I feel like they make it look a little goofy, you know, but it's like, it's a comedy, yeah. you know? I feel like the character were very much on his side. Even the girlfriend is not like the butt of the joke. Like she's yeah. adorable and like is funny. Spoiler, but the end, like, you know, them coming around and being very open-minded and like, you know, it was just cool. It was a very just like positive film. Yeah. And so, like, for those reasons, I'm just like, yeah, I don't have to feel ashamed. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, a guilty pleasure because, like, I should feel like a bad person for liking this. Like I said, there is there is some stuff in there that is a little bit problematic and we'll talk about it. But overall, like, one of the things that I was doing was I was just trying to see, like, okay, you know what? I don't recall hearing a lot of people, like, give takes on this movie. And this movie doesn't have, like, a ton of reviews. And the reviews aren't that great for it. But... When I started looking into stuff, people that that had watched it within like the last 10 years, they were like, actually, this is good. This is really good. It's not perfect. Um, it has flaws. But for what it could have been versus like what it is, it it's it's good. Is this really like a super hidden gem movie? Like it was not popular when you saw it when it came out? So I found out about it because in high school, South Park became a thing. And my friends and I, like, it was right up our alley. And what I've found in my adult life is that Matt Stone and Trey Parker, the reason why I keep, like, heaping so much praise on the Book of Mormon, those fucking guys, like, get my sense of humor. Like, as much as I love I Think You Should Leave, like... I love it so much. <laughs> it's hilarious to me because it is so, like, bizarre and wacky, whereas, like... There are some very, like, smart jokes, and even in the dumb jokes that the South Park guys do... They just fucking, like, tickle me. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't like musicals, but I think Cannibal the Musical is great. And Book of Mormon, songs from that show got stuck in my head because they're so good. Dude, because they're okay. full of jokes. Book of Mormon is coming back, and I've never seen it. Would you want to go? Yes. Okay, let's Yeah, do let's do it. Yeah, Book of Mormon. But, like I said, like, just the, the humor that those guys do, like, it, it just, it was right up my alley um, back then. And it's, and it's you know, they've, they've evolved and matured somewhat, and it's kind of, like, stuck with me. I'm not as big a fan of South Park now as I was back then. But, uh, man, when the South Park movie came out, like, cry laughing in the theater. I went and watched it multiple times, and I was just dying. And uh, so then, like... I graduate from high school, I move into my own place, and one of my friends comes over and he's like, hey, you ever heard of this movie Orgasmo? And I was like, no, what's that? The guys from South Park, he's like, they made this movie and it's about like porno. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, it's like about porno and Mormons. And like, we put it on. Yeah. <laughs> and we put it on and it starts off with this fucking badass song from uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker's band DVDA called Now You're a Man. And it's so great because if you've ever heard, you know, the song Montage or, of course, um, everybody knows America Fuck Yeah from Team mm -hmm. America World Police. It, it's just like that. It, it's taking that like 80s, like kitschy action movie, like arena rock and just subverting the lyrics and doing it all with a straight face. But when you listen to it, you're just like, this is badass, but it's also hilarious. Because it's a send-up of... Someone described it as like, man, this sounds like a song that would be on the Rocky soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the lyrics are stuff like, you know, what makes a man, is it, is it the woman in his arms just because she has big titties? Or is it the way that he fights every day? No, it's probably the titties. You know, it's just shit like that. Poetry. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. 
So we put the movie on and just right away, I'm fucking, I'm just into it. And the uh, visuals are great too, like the comic book pages and stuff. Yeah. It's very fun. Then it like starts off with a funny like visual gag where in order to make a joke. This was actually one of my favorite moments of the whole movie. (laughs) In order to make a joke using like fucking on-screen graphics is pretty funny. It's a shot. It opens with a shot of the Hollywood sign. And then after about two or three seconds, it pops up a little subtitle that says Hollywood. (laughs) And then it immediately cuts to two Mormon missionaries, one played by Trey Parker. And uh, they're just so happy and cheerful. And they're walking around uh, Hollywood and they're going to try and convert people to they're spreading the word of Jesus Christ, specifically his latter day adventure. Wait, quick question. Is Matt Stone in this or involved in this? Or yeah, no? who is he? Matt Stone's the guy with the mullet, Dave. Oh, yeah. Oh, I loved him. Okay, like, I don't want to sound like a queer other, but I'd kind of like to make sweet love to you tonight. Okay, okay. Now that you're doing the voice, I'm like, Kenny Lee, I'm greatest okay. bass player ever. Because I've never seen these guys. Like, I don't know what they look like. You don't know what they look like? No. Okay. Well, you've seen them now. Well, now I know. Yeah, but and it's funny because like Trey Parker looks like himself in this movie, but yeah, Matt Stone. He's got like this kind of almost like a Jufro. He's had like a Jufro for like most of his career. He does not look like his character in the movie, but that's clearly his voice. That was something. God, Trey has such an iconic voice. Like there were parts of the movie where I'm kind of like just like I'm in the movie. I'm like, this is the character, you know, like I'm watching this, not thinking about their other shit, you know, but then they'd like say something in a particular voice and I'm like, Randy, or I'd be like, you know, like, it was just too much. The, the one voice that they don't do in this, he doesn't do the Cartman voice. Um, yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Basketball? He does do the old Cartman voice in that movie, which was like so out of place. But in this, the T-Rex's voice, yeah. like that's the closest that, that he gets. was so South Park. Yeah. What would be really great, I'm surprised that they haven't done this, but for them to like go back and like recreate this movie but using like all the South Park <gasps> assets. That would be awesome. God, that'd that be would be really good. And another thing is too, there there are like several actors in the movie that went on to voice characters on South Park, not really like long running characters, but they were characters that popped up in like early seasons of the show. Mm. So there's a lot of the DNA from South Park that's in this and like it kind of like originated with this. That's so cool. Yeah. I love seeing speaking of I think you should leave I watched the characters finally. I know you showed me the, a couple clips, but I yeah. watched like the whole episode. And it's so funny seeing the reoccurring, like he does a lot of things about conferences. He says a lot of things about like <laughs> my joke in the office didn't land. He does a lot of things about game shows. Like Tim Robinson has his like things that he likes to do. Yeah. And like clearly these guys have like, they like Mormons. They like, you know, like, yeah. and I think I love seeing that because I just think about like how we've talked about like, you know, the, the stuff that we create. And it's like, am I just making the same thing again? And it's like, well, you have a type. Like, you know, I I absolutely have a type, you know? Well, and that's, that's one of the hardest things for like an artist, like to, to find when they're starting off, um, sort of like with, with actors, um, you know, if you can, if you can just get typecast, that's so much better than like not getting cast. Oh my God. Okay. I'm in an acting class right now super cool the teacher straight up said that like he's like people say like what if i'm worried about getting typecast and he's like why don't you worry about getting cast yes exactly (laughs) savage but true (laughs) but but for creatives like for writers for comedians especially it's it's finding your voice 
And part of finding your voice is like, okay, like what speaks to you? Like, what are you interested in? What do you want to put out there? And, and very obviously, like a big thing for you is the intersection of like sex and drama and performance and arts and um, all through a comedic lens. Yeah. <laughs> and for the South Park guys, it's like satirizing the entertainment industry and Mormons. <laughs> but so going back to the question that you asked of why wasn't this movie more popular? Because this movie got an NC-17 rating. Very unfairly, yes. Very unfairly. Which is another reason why this fits in what we're talking about. Because it is an adult movie. movie. And the reason why they got an NC-17 rating was almost entirely due to the fact that it was an independent production. Because after this, they made the South Park movie. And the South Park movie is filthy as fuck, yes. It's way dirtier. Like they literally like multiple times have a realistic pe- looking penis on screen flopping around. And that still got an R rating. And they said that the process in dealing with the MPAA, like appealing and trying to get like a rating that wouldn't kill the box office uh, gross on the movie was so different because they had Paramount behind them when they made the South Park. Versus- I heard that, that the MPA is just like a bunch of assholes and like are just very biased and like it's yeah. not consistent what's rated what. Well, and there's a really interesting documentary uh, that was made in like 2006 that, that covers this. And I think they do talk to Trey Parker in that oh, really? about specifically Orgasmo and, and South Park movie. Um, but it's called, uh, this film has not, has not yet been yeah, rated. Yeah, I... I've, I feel like I've seen like clips from that movie. Yeah. Because like literally what the MPAA does uh, is tantamount to um, restricting uh, freedom of expression. You know? So what did they say? Because it's like dildos and stuff. Uh, it, it had to do a lot with the language. You know, that was, that was like the reason that they gave. Because here's the other thing about it. So um, a big part of the joke was that you notice throughout the movie, you never see tits. Like, you never really see any female nudity. Uh-huh. Because every single time a porn actress is going to take her top off, they have a man's ass cover Which it up. Hilarious. That was very much intentional because they were just like, yeah, like, we see movies like this that are out there to where they just have gratuitous shots of women's breasts. And we're going to tease that in this movie. And every single time you're expecting it, you're going to have to look at a guy's hairy ass. That's hilarious. I love that. And it's hilarious, too, like, listening to them talk about it because it was one of their friends who, <laughs> it's his ass that you keep seeing over Oh, God, over. I love it at the end, that fucking obnoxious guy. He's like, I think we should start this with a close-up of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Is it even worthwhile to, like, break down the plot of this, like, the way that we normally try to do? Yeah, might as well. Okay. So, like I said, it starts Breeze off... Breeze through it. It's Hollywood. You've got these two um, Mormon missionaries going around and they're getting a lot of rejection. Um, there's the hilarious part where the old lady like answers the door and she's like smiling and they're like, Oh, you have such a lovely card. And she's like, Oh, thanks. The second that they mention anything to do with the church of Latter-day Saints, people turn, including this old lady. She calls them soul soliciting pig fuckers before closing the door in their face. (laughs) I love that you said she had a hard time saying that because it felt so natural. Like I was like, this old lady's killing it. Like, yeah. Which is a testament to the editing job that Trey Parker did because he was just like, yeah, it was so hard to like get a clear audible take of her saying the lines. So we had just spliced together what we had. He's like, there's like eight different cuts just to get that line out. Dude. Yeah. You crushed it. You can't even tell. But in, in this whole journey of rejection that they're on, 
they end up going to this uh, mansion that, you know, is fairly common in L.A. It's also a porn set. And so they disrupt the shoot that they have going on. Because despite having about a dozen security guards, they don't have anyone posted up at the gate to stop people from knocking on the door and (laughs) (laughs) disrupting the shoot. I've always loved the response. So they're trying to shoot this movie called... There's a movie within a movie, which is also Orgasmo. And they've got this terrible actor. Like, it's all supposed to be, like, very bad. They're in there. The actor's struggling to get through the scene. The door knock interrupts it. And they send a security guard out there to answer. And they say, oh, we're, we're from, uh, you know, the Church of uh, Latter-day Saints. Guard comes back, whose name is Bilbo. Hilarious. Mm. And he's like, uh, boss, some guys from Jesus? And the producer's response is to go, cut off their balls. And the guard takes that literally. So he comes back, pulls out a switchblade, and he's like, boss says I gotta cut your balls off now. (laughs) And the other guy just books it. (laughs) And and Trey Parker's character is like, look, we get it. You're not ready to convert, so we'll just be going. (laughs) And the guy's like, no, the boss told me to cut your balls off, and I'm gonna kick your ass. And that's where we, we find out that this Mormon missionary, Joe Young, can kick some ass himself. Because he takes out Bilbo, who's a huge fucking guy. And then he takes out, like, four other security guards who also know martial arts. And it's so impressive in the way that he does it that Max Orbison, the the director and producer of the movie within a movie, Orgasmo, he decides that, you know what, I'm going to offer the lead role to you. You're exactly what I need. So then that takes us into the thrust of the plot, which is how does someone convince a sheltered Mormon missionary to become a porn star. Money. Money. That's right. If you want us to do anything, show us some money. And we'll do anything. If it's enough, (laughs) there's probably nothing we'll say no to. (laughs) The times are tough. (laughs) So we have that. And, you know, that's also where we get introduced to Happy Tarts. There's a little running gag we had throughout the movie. so good. Like... (laughs) It was literally just Pop-Tarts, like, dressed up with different packaging. They made it look extra good. <laughs> hey, you know, I honestly think Happy Tarts is a better is a better name than Pop-Tarts. Yeah. Everyone knows you can put them in the toaster. Who puts them in the toaster? Put them in the fucking microwave. Or just eat it. Just open yeah. it and eat it. Some people put them in the freezer. That's wild. Yeah. So then it's like, what are you popping then? Wow. But a Happy Tart? It doesn't matter how you eat it. Leave it out in the sun. And you're going to be stoked. Leave it in your car on a hot day. Now you're going to be happy. You're like, oh, it's hot as fuck in my car, but now I got a good snack. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, that that starts like we talked about on the Boogie Nights episode. It was his call to action. Yes, this heroic journey. (laughs) So then he's got to go back and he's got to try to uh, soft sell this to his fiance. Because on one hand, he's like, I shouldn't do this. It's against all of my principles. It's against everything that I've been raised on. But on the other hand, he's like, there's no fucking way as just an unemployed Mormon missionary, I can afford to give my fiance the wedding that she wants, which of course is in the Salt Lake Temple. So he goes back and he tells her that he's been offered a role in a movie and it pays a lot of money. But he's like, I don't think I should do this movie. And she's immediately like, but it's so much money. God, Heavenly Father would want you to provide for your family, Joe. (laughs) And she's like, by the way, what kind of movie is it? He goes, "Uh, it's uh, Death of a Salesman. (laughs) I love that, too, because when he's 
talking to the producer at the house, which is such a great scene. Like, yeah, come in, tell me about Jesus. And he's like, he's giving his whole spiel and all this shit's going on in the background. You know? But he's like, yeah, you know, I do have a theater background. Like, <laughs> so he's like, yeah, death of a salesman. Like, the producer is in the back of his mind. He's like, look, as long as you're better than this other guy, like, you which, just have to be able to kick some that ass. much better? Like, I know he could fight, but it's like, I feel like when they would show him, like, filming, like, he's so uncomfortable the whole time that I'm like, this is not a good performance. <laughs> and then they had to bring in somebody else to bang because he wasn't going to do that. And so it's oh, like, yeah, why yeah. are they paying this guy so much to do? Like, stand there and be uncomfortable and do some bad acting? Like That's why Rogers couldn't believe it when he said $20,000. He's like, $20,000? Are you kidding me? You're paying me 300 bucks. <laughs> But hey, the gamble worked out because yeah, it's a huge successful film. Yeah, they go on to to make Orgasmo, and it becomes like the next Deep Throat, which was wild to me that all of this happened in the first like thirty minutes of the movie. Yeah, they already finished making it. It was a huge success. There was action figures. There was a whole montage of everybody watching it and stuff, which was so funny and so good. Like, because I'm like, what yeah. are people seeing in this movie? It becomes this media <laughs> sensation that, it. like, everybody except for the people in Utah, like, they just love it. They can't get enough. That of was it. that was so great when it's like looking at like the top grossing films and it's like <laughs> Star Wars, E.T., Orgasmo. Like, <laughs> that was so funny. So of course, what always happens in these situations is uh, you you hit upon a wild runaway success, and it's like, hey, let's just make the same thing again. And so he offers Joe double the salary to come back and reprise his role as Orgasmo. And of course, he's stringing him along the whole time because Joe would have just taken the money and gone straight home, hoped that nobody ever saw the movie, and you know just lived his life after that. But Orbison won't pay him. Until he's able to convince him to make a sequel. Mm, sketch. And then that's when things really start to go downhill. Simultaneously, they have a sidekick for Orgasmo in the movie. In the movie, he's played by Ben Chaplesky. Ben Chaplesky played by Dean Branchar. If you've ever seen uh, Basketball, it's, it's Squeak, Little Bitch, Scolari. Um, <laughs> Great name. <laughs> little bitty guy. Hasn't really been in a ton of stuff, but he's he's voiced uh, characters on several episodes of South Park. Wait, who did he do on South Park? Um, it, it's a lot of characters like early on in the, the run of the show. I'm trying to think right off the top of my head, an episode that he was in. After watching this, like you'll know it when you hear him because mm-hmm. he's got he's got like a fairly distinctive voice. Yeah, like it's it sounds like the voice of like a small person, not like a dwarf, like a little person, but like just somebody who's a a petite man. Yeah, a petite man. <laughs> he's literally like five three and like probably weighed about a hundred and ten. He was hilarious. Like he's one of the best things about this movie. He's great. He, even even in basketball, I think he actually like won an award for basketball. Really? Yeah, because he's just. His character's hilarious. He's just like so pathetic and he's just, he keeps trying to do everything he can to get the guys to respect him and they just are shitting on him. Which is crazy because it seems to kind of mirror like their real life relationship. Damn. Yeah. That's some drama. <laughs> but anyway, so turns out that um, Chota Boy, Ben Chaplesky, is uh, actually a brilliant um, scientist that graduated from MIT and he's got a hilarious line where he's he's introducing himself to Joe and he's like, yeah, actually, he's like, I don't need the money from doing this. You know, I, I graduated this from MIT. 
<laughs> this is my passion, graphic design. <laughs> and so Joe's just like, well, why do you do this? And, you know, of course, he's surrounded by uh, porn stars. And he's like, that's why. He's like, I can't get these chicks in my regular life. Where it's like, buddy, the shit that you've invented, like, you absolutely could fucking get hot chicks. I mean, look at fucking Elon Musk. Like, he's literally a fucking walrus. But, like, he's able to hook up with hot actresses and singers because he's wealthy. So, all that to say that Ben has invented a real-life orgasmerator. Because that's the thing, okay, Orgasmo, his superhero power is he can zap people and cause them to have an instant orgasm. Which I gotta say, they did not do enough of that in the film within a film. I feel like that never came up. <laughs> yeah, but like literally every time he shows up, that's the way he deals with his problems. He's like, I'll take care of you. Pew! And he's like, ooh, oh, I'm coming. Could have been highlighted. Yeah. Before. But so like, that's like his character's power. But it turns out that... Uh, that he's now got a real orgasm array. And the prop itself, the real life prop, it's is really great. great. Dude, literally every prop in this movie was fucking awesome. That was like one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. All the props. And it just kind of shows you that like, you know, having a bunch of money isn't always the, the way to get things done. Just having ingenuity and like being able to create stuff. I mean, like, I look at the, the, the costumes that we had for Big Feet. Legit. Not any money there, but like they look great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They decide to go and take uh, their real life orgasmerator out and test it out on just random people on the street. And they're amazed that it works. That starts to lead into the possibility that like, what could we actually do with this besides just force people to have orgasms that at inappropriate times. Fight um, crime is the natural <laughs> conclusion to that. Of course, they decide to use it to fight crime and to do good for society, and mostly to help out with their help out their friend G Fresh, who runs a sushi restaurant they all like to go to, because the dance club that's next door to a sushi restaurant, which it's got to be a beating. Like, you have, have you ever gone to a place that's immediately next door to a dance club? No, I haven't done. <laughs> so I went to. It wasn't exactly a comedy show, but it was like a live show. And it was at a room that was immediately attached to a dance club. And dude, dance clubs generate so much fucking noise mm -hmm. that if you're within the vicinity, like you literally can't concentrate on anything else. But I feel like a restaurant, like drunk people love to eat in the middle of the night. Like they should just be open late and I feel like they would get a lot of traffic. No? They do, but if you're just sitting there trying to like, you know, chill and have a nice like sushi dinner and like the bass is so strong that your plate and chopsticks are vibrating in front of you. Not the vibe. Then yeah, you're not going to have a good time. Because of that, the people who run the, the nightclub, they want to take over the sushi restaurant next door so they can expand into it. And this being Los Angeles... You know, you make a reasonable offer of either sell to us or we're going to beat you to death. Tower. Yeah. And eventually it works out in your favor. So Joe and Ben are like, hey, they're taking advantage of our friend G Fresh. And G Fresh is... It's Dude, a hilarious, he was hilarious. Yeah. He was good. It's a hilarious um, Japanese actor named uh, Maku uh, Maso, who actually, I, I was telling you during the commentary that he has kind of an interesting story. First of all, his connection to the guys in Orgasmo is that when they were still students back in Colorado, he was actually running a sushi restaurant in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, for real? Yeah. Okay. And they met him because he liked to do karaoke and he would rap. 
And they're like, this is a really Wait, interesting really? guy. Yes. Oh yes. my God. Okay. I feel like that changes everything. So they get to know him and then they, they make their, their student uh, thesis film, uh, Cannibal the Musical. It's the story of Alfred Packard, a notorious uh, cannibal who like went on the doomed, I think it was, was it the Donner Party? It was either the Donner Party or it was like around the same time. But anyway, they're trying to travel west out of Colorado. They get lost. They end up getting caught in like a freak storm and they're basically trapped. And Packard is like the only survivor. And in order to survive, he had to eat the remains of his fellow travelers. And because of that, he ended up being like one of the few people ever tried or one of the first people ever tried for like cannibalism in the United States. In that story, the parties that are traveling, as they get lost, they encounter a Native American tribe, but they cast the entire tribe with Japanese actors. That's so funny. Including Mako uh, Masai, and he was the chief of the tribe. So it's hilarious because you just have like all these like very cheerful Japanese people, but they're dressed in like, you know, stereotypical Native American garb. And so after they worked with him on that, they loved him. They brought him back for this role in Orgasmo. But outside of that, he's actually kind of a superstar celebrity in Japan. Really? Like the guy wrote like 14 books, released a bunch of CDs, and it wasn't like music or anything like that. His books were about the supernatural. Ooh, that's awesome. You know, and like taking people on tours you know, doing the adult tours where they can say whatever the hell they want. <laughs> like jazz. <laughs> yeah, like cum shots. <laughs> you know, and, and in very fine Japan, he's talking about how these fucking fuckers would come blasting out of the walls with big ass fucking hard-ons. But yeah, he's so sweet in this movie and he just wants to run his, his little tiny sushi shop with rinky-dink little uh, karaoke monitor that only one guy ever uses. And instead, these guys are going to take all that from that him. That was so funny when the when the customer was doing karaoke and the guys come in and they're trashing the place and they like break the karaoke thing. And then the second they leave, he like picks it back up and just goes back to what he was doing. And he's singing so this funny. goofy song where like one of the lyrics is like Patrick Duffy. Because for some reason, the South Park guys used to really like love referencing Patrick Duffy. I don't know who that is. <laughs> he, was, uh, step, he was the dad on Step by Step. Okay. Yeah. Some fucking, uh, some ABC Fridays. So anyway, this presents a perfect opportunity for Ben and Joe to fight a little crime, kick a little ass, mm-hmm. and help out their friend G-Fresh. So they go to the nightclub dressed in the real world versions of their characters, uh, Orgasmo and Chota Boy, and they're going to steal the contract back and let G-Fresh tear it up. And so there's a hilarious scene they go in there. Uh, Joe's got his orgasma ray on, and they're getting patted down, like going into the nightclub. And the security guard like doesn't like think one iota about it <laughs> because back in the nineties, people had like some pretty crazy like rave gear on. It's just a look. Yeah. Um, this is where Chota Boy highlights all his fucking amazing props. <laughs> <laughs> he has like all these this, like tactical tool belt with like all these different like dicks, but they all have like They're a all different based on like, sex toys, yeah. Like he has one that like picks a lock and one that he gets like Slim Johnson. <laughs> 
He's got the harpoon tang. It was so good. That was so funny. He's got the little hand thing, which I'm not sure exactly what you'd use the little hand thing for, but that gets used like three, four times in this movie. He's even got a... I love the grappling hook. Yeah, the grappling that hook. My and it's just a dildo with like two like metal points sticking out of it. Dangerous. <laughs> but of course, the star of the show is the Orgasmerator. So they go in there. They both have kung fu martial arts skills. They fight these guys, and then right when they're about to get their asses kicked, that's when Joe starts using the Orgasmerator. And it's kind of hilarious just thinking about the dynamics of like having to like try to fight someone while you're also busting a load. Yeah, we were like talking about this a lot while we were watching the movie. We were like, break down the science for me. Okay, break down the anatomy of it. I was initially thinking, because when they first bust this thing out and they try it, like, they're doing it on each other, on themselves, you know? And, like, they would, like, be like, oh, oh my God. And then be like, oh, wow, that was cool, you know? Like, immediately recover, <laughs> you know? Like, not like, oh, I gotta, like, lay down for a minute. And, like, let's just, like, chill for a little oh, bit, sleepy. you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> nobody was trying to, like, take a nap afterwards. We're like, I'm like, wow, like, that's crazy to, like, have and recover from an orgasm in, like, four seconds. Like, that's wild, you know? And then I'm under the impression that it's just, like, because he, like, hit his foot and, like, you could get shot, like, anywhere, you know? I'm under the impression that it's just, like, you have, like, the sensation of it. But you're telling me that they're literally busting a nut, getting hard, ejaculating, and then now their pants are all crusty and they're, like, walking around. Yeah. That's crazy to me. And they make this clear. Like, they they clearly communicate this because... When he uses the real orgasmerator and he shoots Ben with it as he's walking away and telling him, hey, like, hey, man, it works. Try it out on yourself. And he's like, I got to go to the bathroom and clean myself up. <laughs> that honestly seems horrible. Like, <laughs> oh my God, why yes. would you want this superpower? Like, literally just jerk off. Like, it doesn't take that long. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was the thing I was asking. I was like, okay. Why would you invent something like this? And then it's just like, well, why wouldn't you invent something like this? Because you would become a fucking multimillionaire, if not an outright billionaire, based on just the patent for it alone. Yeah, I mean, just if you the had a invention device, of it is impressive. Think about, like, the adult toy industry and, like, how massive of an industry that is. And if it's, like, instead of, like, all of these, like, dongs and rubber fists and, You could like, just have a big, giant metal... Yeah, that's way better. Like, well, I mean, like, with the way that they refine, like, look at cell phones. Like, cell phones used to be these big, stupid bricks that, you know, you would use to call your cocaine dealer. Go back to that. It's a great and idea. now it's literally like a fucking little computer that slides right into your pocket. So, like, yeah, eventually the orgasmerator would be just like a, fine a little, tune it. it'd be like a fucking pencil. Yeah. And you just tap yourself with it and you're just like, oh. But as we And nothing saw, would ever get done. Well, People would literally be too busy making themselves and others come. Well, spoiler, at the end, you can't do it too many times back to back. So yeah. this is a very dangerous device. Well, the same like, thing is true for masturbation, though. Mm. But yeah, like the factor is that if it's instantaneous, you no longer have the time factor of like, well, I gotta work myself off. Because that's the only thing I could see. Well, one, I feel like it would be beneficial, like, for chicks. Like, while you're getting plowed, you're like, all right, let me just pop one of these in real quick. You know? <laughs> like, I feel like that would have practical applications for couples. Yeah. But you're it would like, also work for dudes because it's just like, damn, man, all I can think about is this. You know what? Let me just step in the bathroom. Now I'm all good. Now I, can, I, feel like now I have dude, focus and clarity. I feel like a dude could just jerk off and, like, just be done. Because during an actual sexual interaction... 
you're not going to want to be done immediately. Like, that's, like, why would you even bang at that point, you know? So it's, like, you're not going to use it in your personal life. It would just be, like, oh, I'm at home and I want to, like, use this real quick. But then it's, like, you don't have ten minutes to just rub one out? Like, I just, I don't get it. The only thing I can see is, like, rapid fire. Like, I'm trying to have, like, 12 orgasms, like, before I have to go to work, you know? But, like, in that case, like, we see that you can't do that. See, I feel like, I feel like I'm on the verge of being, like, okay, I need to have the talk with you. What? Because <laughs> no, like I jerk off all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, guys do jerk off all the time. Like porn is all about like giving guys like a way to like jerk off and like achieve that. It's more it's more common that guys want to get it done as quickly as possible. I have a than lot it is of shit for a do. guy that's like, no, I really want to take my time with this. Okay. <laughs> and I'm just saying, like, if you could just have instantaneous, gratifying orgasms. Because I love to just spend, like, two hours jerking off. I told you, I'll just let the Sopranos roll and just, like... You, my friend, are unusual. <laughs> oh, I should have said that when we were talking about fucking Breaking Bad earlier. I've jerked off to Saul even more than the Sopranos. <laughs> and I'm just trying to think of, like, a scenario in which I'm watching... Because anytime I would be like, man, that Kim Wexler is just a fucking dream woman. Well, but there's never more... like a point where I'm just like, you know what? Zip. Literally, why not? Like, because you're so because focused things on are the happening. good acting. Because she's like... she's miserable. Like she just has this terrible. Think about life. making her feel better. <laughs> she's this terrible life where like she's never going to be the lawyer that even Jimmy McGill is, but she wants it more than anything else, and she's just perpetually miserable. Like, they I feel some, awful for her. Times. And then she finally finds a way. some light into her life. Yeah. And then just to have that, like, go horribly wrong for her. Uh, which we didn't talk about. No, I... we, gotta, we gotta get back to talking about it. Okay, okay, okay. Get... <laughs> if you want this to turn into a Better Call Saul podcast, vibetalking at gmail.com. No G on talking, but a G in Gmail. We'll take the note. Yes. Okay, continue. So, yeah, I don't <laughs> think this is a good invention. That's what I'm going to say. That's where I stand. I think it's a terrible invention, but I could see where it could like take off. Like it basically, it's like Twitter. It's like nobody really needs this, but everybody will use it, mm. and they'll use it in the most horrible ways you can fucking imagine. But our two characters, they're trying to use it for good, uh, so they use it to to fight these guys, to take a contract. Little hilarious thing. Like that was a thing. Rewatching this again um, after so much time is there's a lot of jokes in this. To where they're not as funny to me now because I've seen them so many times. And it made me really realize that like this movie, like when this came out in 97, there weren't a lot of other movies that were doing these same jokes. Mm. And then now it's like I've seen these jokes so many times that they've lost their edge with me. Even the joke where they all run out and the one guy goes, curses! (laughs) They invented that. They might not have done it first, but they did the best. And everything after that, it was just diminishing returns. But yeah, so they help out G-Fresh, and then they later find out, uh, as they're in production for Orgasmo 2, that those thugs work for Orbison. Orbison is the one who owns the nightclub and wants to take over G-Fresh's spot. It turns out that the sleazy producer is actually a little sleazy. He's sleazier than you would have (laughs) imagined. On top of all of this, Lisa surprises Joe by showing up from Utah. Lisa's the best character, just throwing that out there. She's so 
funny. Her just like face, just I can't even like describe what she, what she's doing. That's funny. Just okay. her reactions, her body language, her expressions. Like she's just hilarious. Like, I can you describe, have to just watch it. Like yeah, I can describe her for listeners. Close your eyes right now. Picture a Mormon woman. That's Lisa. She nailed it. <laughs> she's perfect for the role. And and she's she's played by this this uh, this gorgeous actress uh, Lisa. Um, I'm sorry, Robin Lynn Robb. And that's a good name. They cast, yeah, I love that. They cast her because she was in a Disney commercial. They saw her in a Disney commercial and like, that's it, that's our Lisa. And they got her in and she was perfect. Her voice, like, just her mannerisms and everything, like, she's so great in this. And what was funny is when we're watching the scene where she surprises Joe, like, I literally had almost that exact same thing. Okay, you gotta tell me that story. Give me the dirt. (laughs) So, when I was living in Texas, Before I moved to Los Angeles, I was dating a really sweet woman, but she was very like, my buddy used to make a joke where he called her Steppy because he was like, she's the perfect Stepford wife. Okay. She was pretty. She was blonde. Like she just presented herself as like, oh no, I would never do anything like that. And, you know, we dated and I just, unfortunately, like with all the stuff that I had going on in my life, I just didn't have the energy to like really commit to it fully. And I was just kind of hoping that like sort of shitty of me, I just couldn't bring myself to be like, hey, you know what? We're done. You know, she was actually doing a lot of stuff to kind of help me out and I felt guilty about it. And I was like, she's doing so much to help me. I can't just dump her. And so I moved to LA. She's still back in Texas and I'm trying to like make things work. And then she just like around the time of my birthday, she's like, hey, guess what? And I'm like, what? She's like, I'm coming to see you in LA. And I'm like sleeping on an air mattress in my three bedroom apartment with two other like nobody actors at the time. And I'm just like, really? I'm like, are you sure? And she's like, oh, I can't wait to see you. And I was like, oh boy. Oh God. So yeah, like she, she came and you know, she might've even said something to the effect of like, wow, this is a lot nicer apartment than I thought. <laughs> so funny and it's the most yeah. just plain looking apartment ever like. yeah like it literally looks like this is an apartment that a mormon uh missionary lives in <laughs> except for like joe's got like all these like avn like magazines spread around his apartment for About some reason success. yeah dvd uh or vhs cases for uh his movie as well as this fucking avn statue that he won that was given to him by max hardcore Max Hardcore, and you were asking me who the other Christy Lake was the was the other lady. I, I was love her look. Now I yeah. want to like look her up and see what she's done. <laughs> she looked awesome. Her hair was amazing. Apparently she she's pretty notable. But uh, yeah, the statue that he got on the commentary, they're saying that this is an actual like statue that they got from John Landis. That's awesome. And it is it's like the bodybuilder guy to where he's like flexing and like pointing with the other arm and then he's just got this fucking it's like a six inch statue with a three inch dick on it (laughs) like a quarter of the the mass of the statue is just the dick and balls it's amazing so joe's like rushing great prop (laughs) he's rushing to hide all this stuff around his his uh place and lisa's like oh you know i can't wait to come and watch you on set so i want to see what like the life of an actor's like and he's like oh no it's a closed set you can't come and so while he's out shooting, she goes out and ends up uh, going to a video store and finding out what he's really been up to. He's not making I Death of a Salesman. love that 
they have Orgasmo, this adult film, like playing on the fucking TV in Blockbuster. <laughs> like just anybody who walks in, it's just playing well, out in the open. It's not Blockbuster. It's it's um, for the younger uh, was listeners. Video? Yeah, the for the younger listeners that that might be listening to us right now. First of all, please be over the age of eighteen. Uh, <laughs> second of all, <laughs> if someone's like, "What's a Blockbuster?" You're like, "Okay, don't be listening to this." <laughs> a Blockbuster was a video store, and what a video store was. It was Netflix, except everything was a physical copy. I think we need to bring back video stores. And, and also, like, you had to drive there. You had to pay for each individual thing that you wanted to watch. And if you didn't bring it back in time, and especially if you didn't rewind, dude, they charged you fees. So, unsurprisingly, these things basically don't exist anymore. But it's like anymore. a fun outing to, like, go and be like, oh, what are we going to watch tonight? Like, ooh, let's pick out some snacks. Like, dude, I'm telling fun. you, for real. Like, I miss, I miss, like, going to the video store. Yeah. I have very fond memories of going with my, my family to the video store. And then there would always be those, like, like really special video stores where, because the best ones weren't Blockbuster. They weren't Hollywood Video. They were, like, the locally owned, you know, places and the ones where you'd go into and you'd see the little black curtain, you're like, hmm, oh, what's so back exciting. there? So exciting. And I can tell you when I finally turned 18 and was old enough to go back there. You're like, Excuse it's... me, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I have somewhere to be tonight. It's not as exciting when you cross that threshold from 17 to 18. That's so You're just awesome. like, oh, this is me like finding gratification by myself. I never went to a video store. <laughs> they didn't have that at Hollywood Video. I was going, we were going like three times a day when we found Lost, the show. Yeah. And we were like going to watch it and catch up on it or whatever. And like we would literally go get it, watch like the four episodes that were on the disc and then like go back and like get the next one. Like Literally, that's how I watched the first two seasons of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think I rented season one and then I bought like season two like on sale. That's awesome. <laughs> like the generic like blockbuster cases. <laughs> yeah, video stores in, awesome. in this movie, in this time period existed. And that's how she finds out that he's not in Death of a Salesman 1 or 2. He's so actually he's in pitching orgasm. The, the sequel to Death of a Salesman. It's like, wow, I thought Death of a Salesman was boring. But like, this sounds good. Like, I'd watch that. Yeah, he's like, we're making a sequel. And she's like, to Death of a Salesman? And he's like, yes. Doesn't he die at the end? no his brother actually wants to get revenge and she's like didn't he kill himself and he's like that's just what they want you to think <laughs> so yeah she he comes home to to learn that she's found out everything and they have this hilarious fight and that's where i started talking about like what's really great about this movie is like it's it, it's it knows that it's stupid it knows that its premise is stupid like they they said that the reason why they made the movie is they thought about like how hilarious would it be to make a movie that's you know set on a porno set and then they're like but what if like the main character was a mormon porn star they're like wait that's the perfect movie and they just fucking ran from there and so in order to make it work they have to have the the main character be sincere about who he is and how much he struggles with what he's doing with his life it's like a scene like straight out of like a daytime soap but it's like that level of like sincerity with the melodrama of it. But they're legitimately like giving good performances, even mm -hmm. though like most of the shit that they're saying 
is patently absurd. Dude, that's what we were talking about with the comedy actors doing serious movies and that whole conversation, you know? It's like, that's just all comedy is, is just like playing the extreme, like just feeling the emotion like 300%, you know? Yeah. So it ends up being a really good scene. (laughs) (laughs) And like, like what, what makes comedy work is like in a moment to where you're supposed to go high, you actually like go low and like the way that, not not the content of what you're saying, but like the way that you like deliver it. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's an offbeat to it, and you know if you know how to make it work that way, and you know how to do the timing, yeah. Like whenever it's time to like, actually, we need you to be like serious in this moment. You know, you do that, and then it's even funnier when like you're saying really absurd shit, like don't quote Dickens in my apartment. Oh, great line, great line. <laughs> As she's storming out, she's like. She's like, I don't know what happened to you, Joe, but I really hope that you're happy in the life that you've chosen. And she means it when she says it, too. It's so great. She's got tears in her eyes. You actually feel bad for this chick. I love how much wet (laughs) mascara was on her face. Yeah. God, she was so great. And she's just so cute, too. But she storms out. And then Joe, like, he he sits down and he realizes he might have won the argument, but he's losing his relationship. Goes to chase after her. She's gone fucking she got the one cab in LA that just happened to be rolling down that street and she's fucking out of there so he decides you know what I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna tell this guy I don't want to do your fucking movie anymore I'm out I'm done I gotta go back I've gotta save my relationship because that's more important than any amount of money you could give me Orbison's not taking no for an answer problematic even though he does take no for an answer and lets him leave um, Allegedly, and it's it's mainly because he's got Sancho in his office. You know, oh, that guy was so good. He is Sancho. You, you are not Sancho. Me, I am not Sancho. He, and the, is Sancho. the producer's like, wait, so why should you even be in this movie? Like, what can you even do? And he's just like, because I am a Sancho. And then he's like, damn, this guy's fucking confident. Like, yeah, you got the part. Like, he rocks it. A hundred dollars a scene, like literally fucking nineteen seventies money. He's paying this fucking guy. Yeah, it's, it's great because it sets up a great joke. Joe storms into the office, says that he's quitting, and he's like literally standing right next to the chair that Sancho's sitting in. And Sancho looks up at him and he's like, oh my God, you're orgasmo. And Joe's like, I'm not orgasmo. <laughs> they don't even cut to him. He just says it off camera. He's like, I am Sancho. <laughs> you know, so Joe storms out after that. You know, he goes back to tell Ben, you know, hey, you know what? It's been great working with you, but I can't do this anymore. I got to go home. And that's when Ben lays it on him and he's like, look, the people who've been shaking down G-Fresh, they're Orbison's men. We can't just let this stand. Joe, when we have to do something go about on in the this. world. <laughs> and Joe has such a great line. And he goes, he goes, Jesus, Ben. He's like, I'm not a superhero. I'm a Latter-day Saint. <laughs> and Ben has nothing to say to that. So he's like, simul- I mean, true, I guess, but yeah. And simultaneously, Lisa's going back to Joe's apartment because she's decided that, hey, you know what? You did this for me, and even though it wasn't the right thing, that shows me that you're willing to do anything for me, and that means something. Unfortunately, Joe's not there to answer the door. Instead, it's somebody else who turns out to be one of Orbison's henchmen, Ron Jeremy, probably <laughs> that fucking dirty bastard. So they kidnap Lisa to use her as motivation to get Joe to finish the shoot. And they bring her to the set. And at this point, Max Orbison's lost his fucking mind. He's already been snapping a bunch on set. He cast his uh, shithead nephew as A-Cup. 
um, which we haven't even talked about him. Oh, he's that so guy bad. was great. He was hilarious. Yeah, that guy was fantastic. He farts on everybody, and like so nobody funny. can do anything about it because he can kick anybody's ass. He's a nepo baby. Too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like just the worst in Hollywood. And so they bring Lisa back to set, and then they call Joe, who doesn't realize she's been taken yet. And they're like, "Look, if you don't come back and finish this movie, we are going to fucking kill this bitch." And Joe's like, "Don't hurt her." And that's when he realizes. Ben's right. I can't let this fucker get away with it. And so he goes back to Ben and it's another great scene because he walks in and he's already wearing his real life orgasmo outfit. Which is like leather pants. Like. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just it's just a latex like fucking onesie. And he walks in there and Ben's like, he can just tell Joe's fired up. And he's like, damn, I've never seen you like this before, Joe. And Joe goes, I'm pissed off and we're like oh <laughs> and they do this dramatic lighting change like there's so many great little touches go off joe great uses of color and shit and so now you're just like damn this movie just got interesting like it went from being silly and fun to now it's interesting and there's still another like 40 minutes of the movie yeah because like, the movie also is it's, still jerking it's around moving along so much like i told you at the beginning like that's what shook me the most i'm like there's a lot of story here like a lot is going on yeah so then it cuts back to lisa's on um they keep they keep calling it the volcano set because they've Which got all these different awesome. theme sets it does it looks good. it's so like chintzy but it's like so perfect like late night like soft core they did such a good job with all of the sets I, I said props i'll say it again but the sets too like the crab lady oh yeah the underwater yeah. scene like that looked awesome like they did such a good job just making everything <laughs> look fucking cool like you keep saying crab lady and i'm just like chasey lane it's chasey lane it's famous porn star referenced in a bloodhound gang song chasey lane okay i don't know her like, i'm not familiar with her work <laughs> honestly like I, I i've always thought chasey lane is so beautiful like she's just got like these, these fucking pretty eyes but anyway i'm getting sidetracked you're um, like this is the best movie yeah. ever chasey lane's in it. this jill kelly's in it Hold on, I got her name right here. There's a lot of stars. But um, like one of the main roles, Julie Ashton plays Safi. And Julie Ashton, she's hilarious in this movie. I wish they would have given her more stuff because she's so she funny. Really funny. She's she's she the good. the blonde, she's the first like porn actress that you see in the movie. Uh, the first time you get teased with boobs, it's her boobs that you don't get to see. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'll just look them up real quick. <laughs> I've seen them. <laughs> So anyway, they cut back to the to the volcano set. They are tying up Lisa, and uh, they've stripped her down to her like uh, Mormon like pajamas. I loved it because she not only is her nightgown like very conservative, you know, n- not too much cleavage, like knee length, you know, a little white silky, whatever, you know. She's wearing tights as well, and they were like, <laughs> yeah. they were like, there's going to be a violent assault about to go down, yeah. but the tights are fine. Well, and that's the crazy thing about this movie is, you know, we, we talk about, we'll, we'll watch some of these movies and if we're, we're watching them for the first time, we'll start to get concerned of just like, is there going to be some rape in this? And it's always yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and technically, not Jill, not Jill. technically, like, well, not, not technically, actually, every time they sit there and, and shoot someone with the orgasmerator, that is a rape. They are committing a sexual assault on people, but it's but done with comedic yeah. effect and less threatening is just, you know. They tie up this girl and they're just like, oh, we're going to make you the next big star. And she's like, or you could just not. 
but as they're tying her up, like she has this great back and forth between her and uh, Ron Jeremy and uh, the other guy Rogers, where she's like, "You're so disgusting. You just exploit women for oh, your movies." This so good. And they're like, "But what about men?" And she goes, "Well, men are always in a position of power." And he's like, "Yeah, but men are being exploited too because we're the one who want the product." And she's like, well, you exploit men by exploiting women. And fucking Ron Jeremy sits there and he has this epiphany and he's like, it ends up exploiting people. Damn. (laughs) And it's like this powerful moment. It's an immediately undercut because Orbiston's like, I don't give a fuck about people. I'm making money. What the fuck do I care about any of you idiots? And Ron Jeremy's immediately like, yeah, like whoever says something, the last person to say something, Ron Jeremy agrees with. Even if they're calling him a pig fucking hunk of shit. He's just like, yeah, shut up. (laughs) And so they have this, this poor woman like tied up. They like tape her mouth. And kind of like sadly, this actress ended up like on a bondage website because people took like... Oh, screenshots from That's this horrible. movie and posted it. I mean, she ended up having kind of a laugh about it on the commentary track when they brought it up, but also you could tell that she was a little bothered by it. Yeah, that really, the people long. that are in the cast with her, they were they were upset about it. They're like, "That's fucking wrong. They shouldn't do that." Mm-hmm. So good on them for recognizing that. But anyway, Joe and and uh, Ben are now on their way to the set. Ben is like, "Look, I can't let you do this alone. The place is a fortress. You'll never get in without me." And immediately they hop the fence and they're encountered by this vicious guard dog. (laughs) And then they shoot him with the orgasmo ray and the dog is just like humping him. And then they just won't quit. And they like get to the front door and the dog is like still on his leg. Like, oh my God. Yeah, they actually bring they bring Bilbo back. And Bilbo is too busy laughing at uh, Joe for getting his, his leg humped to actually like try and stop him. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious, too, because that scene, like, the dog humping him, they had to train the dog to actually do that, that too. That dog was a star. And they're like, they're like, what was, what was like, the trick that you got to get the dog to, to do that to you? And they're like, peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> so they go in, and uh, they immediately have to start fighting. First, they have to fight the film crew. Then they have to fight Rogers and Clark, which Clark is uh, Ron Jeremy. Oh, he and wasn't literally just being Ron Jeremy? No, no. I he thought actually, he was. Like, he's like a, a movie star that they got for the movie. Like, no, and, and actually, I didn't mention this at all on the on the commentary, but uh, they said that uh, all of the bad guys in this movie, they're named after infamous uh, Roys. So Max Orbison, Roy Orbison, um, Rogers, Roy Rogers, Clark, Roy Clark, and even A-Cup. Apparently, there's, there's a Roy A-Cup. Because I always thought it was like so weird that uh, that the one character is named A-Cup. And then when they explained that in the commentary track, I was like, oh, I should probably look this person up. I didn't, but... We'll do that later. Yeah. We'll circle back to that. Yeah. Or you guys can do it on your own, listening right now. You could tell us. Obviously, you've got an internet connection if you're listening to this, I'm assuming. Um, no, I download my Spotify playlist, so... <laughs> but it's great, because they've got, they've got this hilarious like fight scene going on. And at one point, like Ron Jeremy's starting to choke out Ben... And uh, uh, Joe accidentally shoots him with the orgasma ray. So he's simultaneously getting getting his ass kicked and choked out and coming in his pants. Sounds like the best night ever. Yeah. <laughs> but they're able to like turn the table and like the hilarious thing of um, uh, you have this shot where it's obviously like a ceramic um, facsimile of Ron Jeremy's face and it gets kicked in. 
by Ben's foot. <laughs> Only for Ron Jeremy to show up at the end of the movie and he's fine when they have them all lined up and handcuffed together. But they, they fight them and uh, that's, that's when A-Cup is like, all right, you know what? It's cute what you guys did, but now I'm about to end both of you. He takes out Joe and then once he's done with Joe, he starts to go after Ben. Oh, and this was, we didn't talk about this earlier, but no. he, he is talking about like a traumatic experience he had. He's like, yeah, I used to do, you know, Kung Fu and I had this thing hamster style and he has this like hamster like shrine in his apartment and he's like, he's like, but then something happened and I just couldn't do it anymore. And Joe's like, wait, just what happened? Just getting at this really like, traumatic episode. And then it cuts to like him as like a little kid, like sitting at the table with his dad. And I loved the the fucking props the prop yeah. master was so good he's sitting there and he just has this like big cereal bowl and like big spoon you know he's this little kid and he's like dad I don't think I'm gonna do hamster style anymore and the dad's just like okay that's fine doesn't even look up from his <laughs> newspaper and then it like comes back to him as an adult and he's like oh that was like so upsetting like so now here he is like ready it's like it's time to bust out the move and it's like shows him now in the same scene but it's like him grown and he still has the big prop food and stuff you know and um uh, he goes savage and fucking but he's like just biting this guy and he's got his little hands he's like mm, i like it yeah because joe's like ben use hamster style and like Ben's getting like punched left and right and he's like no I can't I said I would never use it again and he's like Ben do it and then he just charges up it's so ridiculous but it's it's so great and absolutely destroys fucking A cup like literally shreds the guy this shirt is all like <laughs> fringe like and then of course Joe recovers and blasts him with the orgasmerator so now it's just them and Orbison all of his thugs have been dispatched. Orbison is holding a knife to Lisa. And Joe's like, you know what? I got you. Has him dead to rights. Points the orgasmerator to him. Out of juice. <gasps> like my phone always. <laughs> they were so great at like predicting the future. They're like, they're like, when you need it the most, it'll fucking fail you. So then Ben has to improvise. So there's a little back and forth between Orbison and Joe. I love the line that, that Orbison says to where he's just like, you think you could stop me, you cocky prick? He's like, I'm the mayor, I'm the governor, I'm the police, and the crime. Wait, that was honestly a badass line. Though. Yeah. Like, I was like, this guy's fucking cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he fucking crushed it. The guy was, was so, so great. Good. And then like he turns to Joe and he's like, and who the hell do you think you are to stop me? Best fucking line of the movie. Fucking the whole time. Ben's been using this like temporary distraction to clip the wires from a lamp and he plugs it into the back of the orgasmerator, charges it up, dramatic lighting change. Oh, the and light fucking Joe finally embraces who he really is and he goes, I'm orgasmo and fucking blast him and fucking Orbison goes flying off the back of the, of the set and then he gets up to recover. Joe blast him again, back to back bust. And then fucking he gets up again, blast him again, falls down the stairs out by the pool, goes to blast him again. And Ben's like, don't do it, man. He'll never want to have an orgasm again. And Joe stops and thinks about like, you know what? I'm a Mormon. I'm a man of God. And then he's I like, need fuck to forgive this guy. Him. And he's like, you know what? Fuck it. One more for Jesus. Bam. Sends him off into the pool. And then so perfectly, the pool has a giant fucking inflatable of like a... Uh, Shamu. Shamu. <laughs> <laughs> what's the line? 
<laughs> he's like, see you sleeping with the fishes, see? <laughs> and then they both do the cheesy, like, thumbs up. And they rush back in and untie Lisa. They do the the trope of, like, you know, what are you trying to say? Because she's got oh, tape over her mouth. So funny. And they rip it off. And then she's, like, they've showed through this movie that she's got very powerful lungs. She's got this great scream. And uh, Joe's like, oh, my God. He's like, are you all right? What were you trying to say? And she's like, I was trying to tell you, don't rip the tape off my mouth. <laughs> Have like, you ever had, like, tape on your mouth? No. Oh. It's gnarly. If it gets ripped off, yeah, it does hurt. Like, it stings for a few seconds. It's not that bad, but it does sting for a you few seconds. I don't know that I'd scream like she does, but, you Just know. Just a little dramatic. I also don't have the pipes that she has. <laughs> she was in choir. All those choir practices oh, yeah. paid off. So, they managed to save the day, but they're not finished. They they chain everybody together, including Mako and Sukiko, the, the ass-fuck twins, who were still around <laughs> for some reason. They did nothing wrong. Yeah, they didn't do anything wrong. And it's hilarious, too, because it's these two Japanese porn actresses. If they spoke any English, they did a very good job of hiding it. But the backstory of it is because uh, the production was was seeking like investment from wherever, they got some investment from the Japanese adult uh, entertainment industry. But one of the stipulations was, hey, we'll give you this money, but we also want you to feature a couple of our actresses. And so these two actresses, uh, I don't know if I've got their names right in front of me. I don't think... They're on here. Uh, but these two actresses, uh, just the the whoever back in Japan, like told them, like, get on this plane, go fly to L.A., and then production's going to have some people pick you up. And they had no idea, like, what was going on at all because they didn't speak the language. They didn't have, like, a translator or a handler or anything there with them. Um, turns out up. It turns out that uh, Trey Parker, and this is probably why they got Japanese funding, but Trey Parker actually is fluent in Japanese. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I'm sure he was able to kind of communicate a little bit with them. But uh, but yeah, they just gloss over the fact in the movie that like, yeah, we've got all these like thugs uh, handcuffed together. And then also just these two girls were here. They were here. It's yeah. some sketch. They'll, they'll, they'll sort this out down at headquarters. Earlier in the film, there was supposed to be this, uh, this effect that Chableski did on set where he shoots off a cock rocket. He's got this little cod piece. And he's able to attach a dildo to it. And then it's got fireworks inside. It was inside. awesome. It's and it was to... like red, white, and blue. <laughs> <laughs> but on set, like it, it fucking, it's a dud. And it really pisses Orbison off. Because he's like super stressed out. Well, Ben decides to bring it back around. And he, uh, he goes to Orbison. And he's like, remember when you said you wanted me to make the explosion bigger? He's like, I did it. Puts on an even bigger cock rocket. It fucking... Screams out, cock, rocket, fires it off, blows up the fucking mansion. And it's hilarious because I love when they do this in movies like where it's, it's perfectly done. And this movie probably does it as well as any other movie did it. But, you know, in the 80s, they would have these like explosions. And a lot of times they're poorly done where it's clearly like a model. It doesn't match the rest of the shot. Like it looks bad, but they think it looks badass. <laughs> the explosion's actually pretty good. Because there's a couple of shots to where it looks like they're literally exploding the front door of this mansion. But when it cuts to the actual like wide shot of it, it's clearly a model. It's a very like Monty Python-esque joke. But it's hilarious and like Orbison starts to freak out and he gets one more blast with the orgasmerator. And that's when uh, they hear the police sirens coming and uh, Joe, Ben, and Lisa, they're just like, you know what? Let's We're get the fuck bail. out of here. We're gonna overload. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love the story that you were telling about uh, about Ron Jeremy being like, "Wait, this model looks like shit. Like, why are you showing it?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there were there were numerous points to where I guess when they were just kind of going through like dailies or like a working edit of the film, and um, you know everybody on the set really respected Ron Jeremy because of course nobody knew the things about him then that we know about him now, which I don't even know if we want to get into that. But Ron Jeremy, he'd worked on some mainstream films, but I think this was one of the first ones where he had like an extensive speaking role where he's in all three acts of the movie. So he's watching these dailies and he's just like, why are you guys so focused on this? It looks bad. And they would just say, Ron, you don't get it. And like the shot where like his head's ceramic, it's a fake ceramic head and it gets smashed in and he's just like, it's so clearly fake. Like, why would you guys have that shot in the movie? It's going to look bad. And they're like, Ron, you don't get it. And the same thing with like the model house, like uh, on fire and blowing up. And then when he finally like saw the completed film, he was just like, oh, I get it now. I get like the joke. So that was, that was pretty funny. And then the other story about him was that uh, he's narcoleptic. So they're like, you could be sitting there having a conversation with him. And then he would just like doze off. Or like there'd be, they'd be shooting a take and they would just, it'd be Ron's line, but he wouldn't say it because he fell asleep on set. That's crazy. I did yeah. not know that about him. I, I think I remember, you know what? I probably heard it because I watched the commentary track like a long time ago, mm-hmm. but I forgot about it until I watched the commentary track again <laughs> recently. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. He is. Like, Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. Unfortunately, like things have gone very poorly for him. He did a bunch of bad shit and he's to a state to where he's unfit to stand trial. Dude, fuck all of that. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah, so it's it's bad no matter what. But, you know, still, like, it was a good movie. And, you know, like I said, from the accounts of everybody that worked with him on set, they he didn't seem to be a bad guy on set. Um, I've actually, like, I've met him in person. Really? Yeah, like, uh, back when I lived in Dallas. He was in Dallas to do, like, a radio interview and then I just so happened to stop at a cafe that he went to afterward. And I'm literally walking in the door as he's walking out and we almost smash face to face. And then I just kind of like stopped and I was like, holy shit, man, you're Ron Jeremy. And he's like, hey, nice to meet you. And then, you know, just Dang. went on his way. Yeah. I heard a story from someone I know was saying that he was at like a like a church thing and it was like so bizarre like because everybody at the church is like wait you can't be like why is this guy here because it's like well why do you know about him (laughs) everybody in the church knows who he is but they can't let anybody else know there's I think you should leave sketch for you right there like, wait, do you know, is he famous? Do you know him? No, I didn't know about him at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> Not familiar with his work. Yeah. There's another, like some of the special features too. There's this one part where they were talking about him like nodding off. And one of the guys is like, yeah, he's sitting there in his underwear at one point And he falls asleep and like, he just falls back and like his dick just pops out. And he's like, I'm sitting there looking at him. And because it's it's the the guy who played Rogers who's in a lot of scenes together with him, mm-hmm. and he's just like, should I just pop it back? In <laughs> no, he's he's just like, you know, I see it pop out, and I was like, you know what? It's not as big as I remember it being. And then it cuts back to like Ron Jeremy like explaining. He's like, look, he's like, of course it doesn't look as big anymore. He's like, I used to be like all fit and thin and he's like my stomach gotten bigger and then he like literally like starts explaining like the geometry of like as your gut gets bigger like how it makes your penis look smaller and he's also like 
And also, as you get older, it does get smaller. He's like, also, I was asleep. Like, sorry. Like, I wasn't putting my best foot forward. <laughs> but he starts using his, like, his mustache as an example. He's like, I have this mustache because it makes my nose look smaller. He's like, if I shave my mustache, my nose is going to look bigger. Because he was also explaining, like, like, why you would shave like, okay, your balls. Checks out, checks out. Because there's that, that hilarious line earlier on where it's like, hey, man, you need to shave your balls. He's like, why would I do that? It's like, everybody uh, does it, Joe. Flattering. It makes the old Johnson look bigger. Yeah, that is a, a whole sitch. Because, like, I always think about fucking Harvey Keitel's dong in uh, Bad Lieutenant. And he oh. just has so much bush. Which I love. Like, I'm all about the pubic hair. But it's, like, literally engulfed in pube that it's not flattering. Oh, God. Yeah, I used to have a bit that I did about going to the gym. And you go at the wrong time. And it's completely crowded. And you're just stuck with a bunch of like middle-aged men who don't give a fuck about walking around nude. And, you know, you get stuck with like a bottom locker. And if you make the mistake of like looking up at the wrong moment, you're just face to face with what looks like a handful of gummy bears like mashed into (laughs) a bird's nest. Love that imagery. Yeah. Like the second you started talking about Harvey Keitel, I'm just like, God, I bet he was so hairy. Yeah. Just so It was hairy. mostly the pube, though. He it hasn't has, like, a shitload of chest hair. Like, you know, it's not like a Harry Ream situation. Like, just a hairy <laughs> dude, you know? It was, like, just all in the lower region. Oh, God. There's a scientific explanation for, like, pubic hair. What is it? You know what it is? To protect your, your privates. No, it's to attract mates. Oh, because it gets all sweaty? Through the fragrance, yes, yes. Dude, honestly, on point. Traps moisture. Bomb. Yeah. I'm a fan. I mean, I wish it was socially acceptable for me to have just a hairless body. If my girlfriend told me, like, you know what? I think you'd be hot. Just completely clean shaved. Like, why? Why would you want to deal with that? Shaving is a pain I, in the ass. Because I used to swim a lot. But, yeah, that's my preference is just, like, no, like, shave it. Like, no, body hair is fucking sexy. Because it's, it's wild, too. Because it's like a thing now with, you know, millennials and Gen Z to where... People are rejecting like grooming standards and not just like, I'm not going to shave my pubes and my, my armpits, but like literally like there's girls that are just like, yeah, I'm not going to shave my legs. Why the fuck would I do that? Yeah. And it does kind of make sense. Shaving your legs is unnatural. And it's, it's also weird that it's like only women shave their legs. Yeah. It's honestly is. But it is. For someone like me who's like used to, like in the 80s, that's when the beauty standard kind of shifted to, no, clean shaven. Like we're not doing that 70s shit. I know, you're anti-Bush. Yeah. That's wild to me. But I'm also anti-Bush because one of my first experiences with with exploring that area, she had a Bush. And it was a bit much. Yeah, it was just kind of like, oh. (laughs) It wasn't the worst thing ever, but it also like, the difference was clear. You know, and in a in a blind taste test, I'm like that one, that one for sure. Give me that one all day long. Sorry, that's just it's just how I'm wired. Agree to disagree. Yeah. But I mean, also like if I was gonna hook up with like a dude, I don't think I would want like a really hairy dude. Yeah, see, I would. Like, I think it's a good look. Yeah, but I mean, we we have different styles and different aesthetics, so yeah, it makes sense. That's true. Yeah. Damn. But yeah, so what other interesting tidbits do we have about orgasmo? So like overall, like your your impressions and stuff. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was super funny. It was cute. It was sweeter than I was expecting it to be. It was 
I just love movies about movies so much. So every time they're on a set, every time like, oh, they're talking to the lighting guy. Like, I'm just like, nice, nice. Give me some more of this. Like, you know, I think all the actors nailed it. Like, I love big characters, you know, so oh, everybody yeah. having their like really specific vibe and like just dialing everything up to like 300. Like, I love that. Um, I think everybody did a great job. I think it was like pretty well written, like a solid story, you know. I thought I thought it was a great movie. Very funny, very fun, and very vibey. It was yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, again, like the the most recent time that I watched it, I was I was watching it more from like the perspective of like, okay, movies have changed a lot since this was released, since like I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm a different person now than I was the first time I watched it. Um, but I was very pleased to just see that it held up. And I think it's just a testament to like how talented those guys are and not just Trey Parker, but, but everybody. I mean, um, one of, I think, I, I think he might still be the head writer with South Park. I know he was at some point, but he was like one of the producers on this. Um, like I said, uh, Lloyd Kaufman of Troma, he was involved with this. He ends up playing the doctor that, uh, there's a little bit of a, uh, sequel bait. Oh yeah, we gotta we this. gotta wrap the ending. So ending, we didn't even say because one of orgasm farewell Eva Doors in the in his movie he had his arch nemesis was neutered man. So yeah. it's like I don't even need to bust a nut. So what are you really gonna do? You know. And so now <laughs> the ending is that like Orgasmo has decided he's gonna stay in L.A. be a superhero. His chick's moving in with him. Like he's gonna be cleaning up the city which is how he's gonna actually be preaching the good word you know great twist very open-minded and then the fucking producer like now he has to have his junk amputated because he orgasmed too many times and it was too powerful the line is like your testicles are the size of oranges he's like i see that i'm not something i don't know you i'm smarter than you I do like, I do feel like after now having, I think you should leave in in my life, I do see like, there are certain things in this movie to where it's just like, yeah, that feels like that same sort of humor, Mm -hmm. but it's the satire and wit of South Park with like the ridiculousness of I think you should leave. It's a good combo. It's a very funny movie. Definitely recommend. Yeah, definitely recommend. Check it out. Like I said, we've got a lot of really cool stuff coming. Lots of great vibe talking content, of course, on YouTube on Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, or home and rss.com. Just celebrated our one-year anniversary of of being a show. I love that. Yeah. That's another reason why I was just like, let's do this episode now, because I think not just celebrating my upcoming birthday, but this show, like, making it to its own birthday. That's so awesome. So hopefully you guys are willing to stick around. Um, Like I said, any feedback, we'd love it. Vibetalking at gmail.com. We still are waiting on phone sex scripts. I feel like now we need to ask for something else. It's like the window's closing, guys. Gotta mix it up. How about some fan art? There's lots of pictures of us out there. Photo shoot ideas. How about a tasteful nude painting? Yeah. (laughs) Of yourself or us. Either one, both. Maybe we're all hanging out. Like... Maybe paint like a, a horny dog humping your leg in there. Like we'll see. We would love that. Alright, we are gonna let you go. Thanks so much for listening and happy birthday to me. Yay! Alright, All right. good day What makes a man? Is it the woman in his arms? Just cause she has big titties. Or is it the way he fights every day? No, it's probably the titties. Now you
your memorial. 